You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. of the JCN Podcast Show. Welcome, welcome. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we're coming to you from not-so-sunny Melbourne. Yeah, I know, right? And we're recording a podcast at night, which is definitely a first for us as well. We yeah. usually hit you guys with our um, manic brains first thing on a exactly. Thursday or Friday morning, but we've actually... Um, usually from the uh, clinic. clinic. We're yeah. sitting in a hotel room at the moment. <laughs> on, the, on the floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've just... Um, done the full three days of the um, Bioceuticals Symposium, which this year was focused um, on autoimmunity and the latest research and updates in that. So we kind of thought we'd wait till the end of the three days and have a, have a big chat to you about, I guess, what some of the take-home mm-hmm. points were in terms of the speakers and have a chat to you about the different speakers. I know, like, obviously there's a lot of people that are pretty excited about some of the speakers that were going to be there that we were going to see talk. So yep. I guess now we've seen them talk, so we can tell you what we think. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we want to break it down and look at those keynote speakers, some of um, their main areas that they discuss with us while we're there. Um, and once we've been through that, really chat over some of the takeaways for us and some of the areas that really stood out and some of the areas too where we, I guess, felt like we would like to see more research going as things develop. Yeah, absolutely. And just even too, like, yeah, things that we kind of thought maybe weren't covered that could have been covered or should have potentially been covered. But obviously, you know, that's what seminars are about. You have a certain amount of speakers and they all specialise in their area and they have yeah. utilised Twitch in your life. Twitch, Twitch. Yeah, just on Twitch. You're right over there. I forgot to bring my magnesium. <laughs> Anyway, I'm probably going to be twitching by the end of this. Do you know, okay, first side note, because the first, yeah, two, so the first two games of soccer that I've played, I have not made it through the game without my feet actually cramping up, and I've had to, like, walk around on my heels, like, well, all kind of run at the same time, because their toes have all gone, and just gone into little claws in my boots. That would hand me, like, Like, the biggest laugh of my job, to see you with your, like, your long, lean legs just running around on your heels, like a a stork with mongo feet. Oh, God, I'm like, okay, I need to remember to take my magnesium. I actually forgot to bring mine with me. Well, they do? Yeah, I did the same Well, thing. I thought they'd have more of that stuff there. Same. We could nick, but no, they no. had I've nicked a few B vitamins. I know. That's it. Yeah, no mag, though. But plays to go to that. Well, when I went to it two years ago, they had not only biocidical stuff, but they had like Metagenics and Biomedica. Oh, did they really? They had all of the Prucky company there. They mm. also, mind you, okay, this is nothing to do with the seminar part, but from a practitioner that goes, what you're looking for. So they had all of the different um, supplement companies. So you could try so much. And then oh. they had like a kombucha stand. They had a whole lot of different so food really things going it back on. this year because yeah. we didn't get any food samples apart from what they fed us. And we were yeah. fed pretty well for the seminar, like, yeah. like overfed, if anything, I yeah. think. But um, yeah, they didn't have, because I was kind of expecting to be given protein. Yeah. Well, I really talked it up and yeah. I was like, wait, do you like, see it? It's like anything. a carnival outside. <laughs> carnival of non-illegal drugs. <laughs> what I did find amusing was like you kind of look around the room and you see all these people just popping pills and drinking water like such a practitioner seminar, yeah. isn't it? Like, like, I'll take some of that nerve yeah. too and I'll take that. <laughs> <for> me yesterday. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that aside. So we had, in, in terms of speakers, there was actually a, there was actually six speakers. We're just yes. going to focus on the key four. So we had Dr. Amy Myers. Um, mm-hmm. We had Dr. Terry Wiles. Um, we had, who's going to say, Professor? <laughs> I don't know how to say his name. His name's Professor, Professor Schwanfield. He's Israeli. And Is there he, an N in there? I think so. Um, hang on. Okay. Schwanfield. I'm sure there was. Hang on. We'll just say it like no, that. No, there is an N. Schwanfield. Okay. He yep. had a, a first name that I'm not even going to attempt. Um, and we had Dr. Alyssa Song. So yeah. they were our main specialists in autoimmunity. And then we also had a genetics 
talk from Denise Furness, which uh-huh. was just um, early one morning. So we're not going to get too much into that, even though I have to say I was having the biggest nerdgasms of my life watching it. <laughs> Jess is just like looking at me. I'm like convulsing. I was so excited. <laughs> um, and then we also had another guy. So I think his name started with a D. I can't remember. Yeah, who it was. I came in late to that yeah, one. Yeah, Dennis. Like Dennis something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And he spoke. I mean. He spoke about the uh, like the use of the key, practical applications or scientific applications. Very scientific. applications of yeah. the ketogenic diet. Yeah. So we're not going to go into the last two because we feel like, um, A, we're going to do a ketogenic podcast very soon and we mm-hmm. want to present you guys the most up-to-date research and where all that stands. See, and that's a freaking podcast on its own. Yeah, and the same with the genetics. We will be doing a podcast yeah. um, on that specifically. Plus, we're both going to be getting our own genetic testing done. So that'll help us bring that into the podcast. And really, as always, discuss like the logistics of how you look at this practically and how you approach it. Yeah, exactly. So we're just going to talk about the four main speakers that we did a lot of the discussions with and Mm -hmm. all that kind of jazz. So we'll start with Amy. Amy, lovely. Amy was really lovely. She was one of those people that you just like, can we just go and have like a chai and just chat? (laughs) Can we go and eat Langley Greens with you and just talk? She was really, she was really cool. Like she, um, she obviously specialised in autoimmune thyroid. So, she did. Which is so she, her, her main, um, I guess, thing that she'd be known for is actually called the Myers Way, the right? Myers Way, so yeah. she, that's her, she's got quite a numerous amount of books that she's released um, yeah. with a huge protocol around autoimmunity, but specifically yeah. around thyroid because that's her personal background. Yeah. Um, she's actually had her thyroid ablated, hadn't she? Yeah. 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 Um, didn't imagine that. So yeah, no. she's yeah, she's got um, not only this amazing um, background of coming from like ER yeah, um, and ER trained as a doctor, with. and then going through like her own personal health journey, yeah. and then obviously coming into like more of a functional medicine um, arena. So yeah, I think the biggest thing, as you say, for her was her um, application of treating the thyroid, yeah, um, and it was. It was really, really interesting to look at it in relation to her approach from her Myers way, which very much was about diet, yeah. um, application of a certain type of diet, and then from a supplemental yeah. approach too. Yeah. I think um, the thing that obviously I, I really loved about Amy as well and her presentation was that even though she has her set protocols, and we're not mm-hmm. going to go too much into people's protocols because Aegis and I haven't read the books. We're just going off what they've told us about yeah. their own protocols. But um, she was so much about listening to your clients, which uh-huh. Jess and I are so passionate about, like listening to what you guys have to say when you're sitting in front of us. And there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So even though, yes, she has these protocols for people to buy and read, uh-huh. she also completely um, acknowledges that it does come down to the person sitting in front of you uh-huh. as to what you do, how you treat, what you restrict or don't restrict, uh-huh. um, how they're responding biochemically to treatment, which I think is, I think is just such a fantastic freaking take-home message yeah i really appreciated that she pointed that out Mm -hmm. i think a lot of um you know these people are amazing speakers and they've they've produced these protocols which people can apply but they can be taken and put into the wrong hands and being taken as gospel this is how you have to do things and she was very much about look this is my overall umbrella but very much on a one-to-one basis, we would look at, okay, how can we apply this diet yeah. for you? Yeah. Um, how can we make these supplements work for you? Yeah. You know, what else do we need to investigate and, and dig further with? Yeah. Which is so important. I mean, that's what um, individualized treatment is all about. And that's yeah. why functional metal- medicine is so amazing because yeah. it allows us the tools from a testing point of view to dig deeper yeah. and find out what's happening with an individual. Yeah. And that, again, was something that she was so big on. Like, the amount of functional testing she was doing and was really impressive. Like, yes, retesting, not just going, okay, we've done this and blah, 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 blah. And get to, like retesting, like using, getting a baseline and then comparing with that baseline. So, yeah. And really, really important, which I loved, which I know Jess and I have talked about in podcasts and stuff as well before, but the importance of doing a freaking full panel when yep. it comes to thyroid. So not just mm. doing a TSH, like Australian general practitioners are so freaking resistant to do anything more than TSH. And she just really highlighted how yep. important you can have a normal TSH, a uh, a normal T3 and a normal T4 or within reference range, maybe higher lows, sometimes even a normal reverse T3, although sometimes the reverse T3 might be out. But you can have antibodies and GPs in Australia will just look at a TSH and go, bang, if it's sitting between 
you know, um, 0.5 or 0.3 and 4 that your your thyroid's fine. And Jess mm. and I've mentioned before the optimal is between 1 and 2 for TSH. Mm-hmm. But she showed, she showed us on so many panels where TSH is normal. This is normal. This person's got antibodies. Or yeah. the reverse T3's through the roof or in the dirt. Like, yeah. it's just so important to do that full thyroid panel when you're looking at um, potential for any sort of autoimmune con- like condition. But, That's know, right. Yeah. Definitely an autoimmune thyroid. So Yeah, for sure. So, the, yeah, the retesting, I think, was really um, a valuable tool that she showed and it's something that we do like to, do, to yep. do with our clients but we also understand and respect that it's not always achievable from a financial yep. point of view but then it's kind of like you look at it and it's there's so much you can gain and I think you can get to a place um, of being further along in your health by utilizing yeah, retesting yeah. and um, and being obviously careful about not going crazy and just ordering everything. But, you know, she was utilising, obviously, the stool testing, um, comprehensive stool testing that we use. There was a lot of SIBO testing. There was using of the organic organic acid testing. testing. Um, There was amino acid testing, obviously, the full thyroid panels. Um, And where they were applicable, she was using all of them with some people. Yeah, yeah. I just am so, like, obviously... Like, I think I just loved with all of the speakers, and we'll get into that, is but how many of them are utilising the testing and utilising all of the testing ones? We get that financially it's a big ask, and I don't know, maybe it's covered a bit. Actually, they don't, do they have – it wouldn't be covered. No, it there, wasn't. It? But then, like they said, by the time people get, get to, to them, them they're, yeah. they're willing. They're to spend the they're money They're just like, I'm t- so sick, make me well. And yeah. I guess we, when we see that in we the clinic. Do. You know, people have already spent yeah. thousands yeah. Um, sometimes by the time yeah. they've come in. Sometimes, yeah. ironically, they've already got all the tests there. Yeah. It just hasn't been put together properly. properly but yeah, they haven't had someone treat yeah. them properly based on their testing. The thing that um, I think I just have to mention, because I had so many people quite reactive on social media, was I did take a screenshot yeah, yeah. of one of Amy's slides. And she was it was just an excerpt from her book that yeah. she was talking about potential considerations. And obviously something she starts quite strictly with at the start of her protocol, I think, is the exclusion of gluten, dairy... Um, eggs, gluten, or well, even grains. I think gluten, yep. dairy, eggs, um, legumes, yep. grains, potentially maybe even nuts and seeds, and, and so the lectin foods. And lectin were they in food. there too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I just circled that as potentials, guys. So for everyone who saw that, I had so many people message me, like just quite freaking out about that. Like obviously the research so far, and she even said this herself, like when she was pulling research papers. Um, the research sits with so strongly with gluten across yeah. the, any sort of autoimmune condition. So gluten's a, a must go in yeah. autoimmune in autoimmune conditions, followed closely by dairy. Yeah. Um, the rest of them are really up for negotiation, depending mm. on a how symptomatic you are or how progressed your autoimmune state is. B what your chemical and food sense or chemical food sensitivities mm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess and I obviously you'll know like we we do a lot of food sensitivity testing. We um, someone did question the removal of eggs from the Wiles protocol and mm. the Myers Way mm. protocol, and it really was just more from a um, better to cover all bases point yeah. of view more than yeah. there's actually it's, research. It's a common reactant, isn't it? Reactant. That's all it's, it's, it's about. Five. It's not saying yeah. that eggs are a bad food. No, they absolutely. they talked about how. You know, obviously the beautiful choline that's present in the yolk in relation to these um, conditions. But essentially it's being pulled um, from an elimination point of view because it's a common reactant. And then it is being investigated to see whether it is an issue, whether that be by food intolerance testing or by just a reintroduction. Reintroduction, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then then there's like a plethora of foods in relation to the grains and the legumes and the nightshades that fall into the... Um, the high lectins essentially and there is a lot of research that does back up a link between autoimmunity and lectin foods but a lot of that is also individualized because it comes down to um, two things genetics and also your own gut microbiome and how um, your gut is dealing with lectins so there's two different factors there and again um, they're stripped out initially with some of these protocols, but then they um, do actually, depending on the protocol yeah. and the person, yeah. which was interesting, particularly with Amy Myers, she Reintrodu- spoke about reintroduction. There was a lot of talk about with reintroduction, um, the soaking and the breaking down yeah. of yeah. the lectins um, with grains and legumes and so forth. So yeah, it's um, as always, it's a case by case. Case by case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing she chatted about, and this is definitely something that I think is pretty important, is iodine dosing in clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely had a few clients 
over probably more so over just the last 12 months that have been, I know there's one of them that will be listening going, she's talking about me, <laughs> um, that has actually been given by an integrative practitioner or even and a couple by naturopaths, these really high mic milligram dosages of iodine so when we start looking at what the body or the thyroid needs or the body needs to function like the recommended daily intake is between about 150 i think it's 350 400 micrograms micrograms Uh, max uh, so and the question was obviously i feel like there's a lot of practitioners that are quite scared with iodine supplementing especially in thyroid conditions personally i do it yeah um but i don't (laughs) <laughs> just like same yeah. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen any adverse reactions but in doing it at dosages that are within normal yeah. what we would normally consume in the diet like obviously iodine is something that's so blocked by if you're a highly estrogenic person um, there's other stuff going on in the gut then I you're a, we don't eat iodine-rich diets, and yeah. for most of our clients, they're off gluten, so they're not eating iodine-fortified foods. Yeah. So iodine is definitely a consideration when we start coming into looking after the thyroid. But what we're seeing with other practitioners is there's going this, there's that more again that more more is more is better, and let's yeah. give people milligram dosages of iodine. So we're talking one to two thousand micrograms, mm-hmm. and even more. And what I've definitely seen in my clients that have come from other practitioners doing that is that their thyroid's a freaking mess. Yeah. So I definitely think, and Amy, I was really gra- glad to hear Amy talk about this, um, yeah. that she just reaffirmed that that's more definitely yeah. stuff she's using. Between 150 to 300 micrograms yeah. with her clients, which is definitely what Jess and yeah. I are doing. You don't go much higher than that. Um, yeah, and definitely she didn't comment much on what other practitioners are doing with the higher doses, mm-hmm. only that it wasn't, wasn't something that she would do or recommend. Yeah. I think she could say she'd seen some um, negative results from people using high dosages in the past yeah yeah so um the other area that she talked about was mold which i would have loved her to go into more oh my god i think that was an area for both of us you know there's a few points that came up and you have um, a certain amount of slides and then it moves on to another yeah, topic. Like, no, you're like, come on. Like, mold is the new asbestos, man. I like, know. we're so interested in how that's interplaying with people's immune systems, their neurological yeah. systems. Like, yeah, there was a lot. There was, there was, and did she, had she experienced mold? She had. She had, so had, she had she, a, so she'd had her own yeah. personal experience yeah. there too. So she did go, she did talk about that um, and talk about loosely about protocols in relation to I would say more in antibiotics and so yeah. forth came in then, but she, I think, you know, off the top of my head, there was a little bit of um, like maybe I, natural protocols that were mentioned, but mm. um, a lot of she binders lot about and so forth well. too. Yeah. Did she? Yeah, she did. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about mold, about yeast. Yeah. Um, yeah, in relation to like um, getting getting rid of it, but then there was a. I, I'm sure she talked a lot about binders as well. Like yeah. she's talking about using bentonite clay and yeah, so yeah, forth. From memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would have loved oh to have goodness. heard more about I feel like that. that could be an entire half day seminar mold and just yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But um, what else did she talk about? There was the supplements, of course. Like she's got her own sort of protocol there. Yeah. Like there were certain supplements she was putting up that were painted to her. But essentially it was a lot, as we were saying um, before we started, a lot of anti-inflammatories, um, a lot of gut support, um, gut support, a lot of, um, a lot of, I would say also nutrients in regards to nutrient deficiencies because of the testing, like, yeah. you know, looking at, okay, have we got a zinc deficiency? Like, you know, have yeah. we tested with B12 issues? Yeah. Have we, you know, tested with low essential fatty acids? Like, yeah. you know, from the amino acids she's looking at, it's like, you know, if you're, you're doing a amino acid profile, it's coming back with certain amino acids low, like you can go in and treat those specifically. Yeah. So what I loved about her protocol, besides I know she's got some standard products. That's yeah. right. You're right with this. Oh, so you weren't. <laughs> she's not right. No, the yeast. She's got that um, oh, antifungal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, she's very much um, about, okay, let's look for the deficiencies and then treat them yeah. head on. She was very good with, um, like, the thyroid nutrients as well. So you zinc, your iodine. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, she talked definitely about um, where the conversions take place in the liver and different parts of the cell. Anyway. Yep. So that was kind of her in a nutshell. Yeah, she was she was a, she was a good one. <laughs> um, and then, so our next speaker, and I think this is one a lot of people are pretty interested yes. in, um, is Dr. Terry Wiles. So she's yep. um, for those of you who don't know who she is, I'm sure most people do. She's got a pretty amazing story. She was a uh, um, was she an emergency doctor as well? I think she was. And yeah, I can't de- recall she, if she was emergency or, a or not. Doctor, but anyway, she worked mm. in big hospitals and. 
pretty amazing and anyway then got pretty a pretty quick diagnosis of progressive um, multiple sclerosis and declined pretty bloody quickly despite mm-hmm. the intervention of um, pharma, pharmacological drugs. Yeah. So they basically threw everything at the sun under at her, under the sun at her, mm-hmm. and she just proceeded to decline and decline to the point where she was in, she was wheelchair bound and in mm-hmm. so much pain every day that um, she basically struggled to sit up and do just most things, which was pretty bloody devastating, I yeah. think. God. <laughs> like, I don't think there's much worse than that. But, um, like, long story short, she obviously started doing a lot of her own investigating, a lot of dietary work, mm-hmm. and eventually, and a lot of, and she did, she really emphasised having a good team of practitioners around mm-hmm. you, so not only have someone who's got the great medical science behind mm-hmm. them and all of that, but having a really good occupational therapist, yep. and exercise physiologist, and stress management stress support, management support mm-hmm. um, and some, I mean, nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath to help with yep. the dietary side of stuff, and someone to really help prescribe you know, good quality supplements. So she kind of went into that world herself and has slowly built herself mm. back up to the point where she's walking around and mm-hmm. giving lectures and is now a, a really amazing person to listen to speak about mm-hmm. the world of MS. So, yeah. and obviously firsthand, like it's yeah, something it's very, she... very, very inspirational super to see. Inspirational. Like, and, you know, I think that's why she, I know mean, there's a lot, a lot of reasons why she's become so well-known, but I mean, you're coming from a place where you've had progressive MS and now you're walking around and, you know, inspiring other people and helping other people and, you know, just living a really healthy life. Yeah. Like, far out, it's hard not to With, look at her yeah. and just go, wow, what are you doing? Tell yeah, us your secrets. <laughs> and, and to kind of triumph where... I guess, um, you know, medical interventions have failed her. Yeah. And she actually said that for someone who is a, you know, a medical practitioner mm. herself to actually stand up and say that this world failed mm. me. There was no one mentioned diet to her, no one mentioned yep. lifestyle factors or environmental burdens. Like it was mm. she had to find this information herself. Mm-hmm. So she then developed the Wiles Protocol, yep. which is her version of a mod- it's called modified, a mo- modified Paleolithic <laughs> diet. <laughs> Um, which obviously is what her protocol is based around. So I think there's yep. definitely a 100-day very strict part. But again, she was quite flexible. She said, obviously, she has different people sitting in front of her. I feel like she's a little bit less flexible I was just going to say that. I don't feel like she was as flexible as well as in regards to yeah how Amy yep. was. I feel like she's more particularly coming at it from, yeah, um, whether it's MS or autoimmunity, but also I felt from like just a, a well-being and longevity point of view. There was very much about following the the world's protocol. protocol, and I felt like she was not as open to the aspect of bringing back in um, no. the grains and the legumes, yeah. and, that, and I even mean like gluten free grains. Yeah. Like there was, you know, like whether it be your quinoas and your buckwheats yeah. and so forth. Um, yeah, I well, felt starch, like no starchy vegetables. Yeah, no legumes. yeah. yeah, yeah I felt was... like it was a lot more closed yeah. off to that. Um, I don't know how she would be as a one-on-one, no. like um, whether, again, you know, working with people and she'd be a little bit more like, you know, well, you're an individual, let's see how this works for you. Yeah. I know when there, someone questioned her about the eggs, like she did say that she would trial bringing back the yeah. eggs and yeah. seeing how people go. Yeah. That was different. Again, she acknowledged that was more of an intolerance. So <clears throat> yeah. that was, yeah, that I, I, she was definitely a lot more hardcore, yeah. I would say. And I would even say probably um, to the point, like she did say her herself, like she she doesn't practice keto, ketogenic lifestyle all the time, but she definitely cycles it in for periods yeah. of the year. So yeah. she didn't really go into that too much. Well, she def- But she did point out the fact that, yeah, there's the WALD protocol, as you were saying, which is that more yeah. modified paleo. And by modified paleo, it's really paleo with those extra additional things out Out. in relation to the, like, high lectin foods um, and some of those being whether they be the um, sort of other vegetables and so forth. And, um, yeah, I guess because with the paleo, the legumes and some – well, actually, with paleo, some people are going to still be having some buckwheat and quinoa. So, yeah, yeah, I would say it's like when she's saying it's modified paleo, it is stricter. stricter But then she certainly saw ketogenic as even stricter again. Like she was very much um, about, as you said, cycling. So if she was going to use ketogenic, she would certainly – so, was she the one that was saying about seasonally doing seasonally keto? Thing. So I she think might she does do it one season like a, as a winter thing, yeah. and then the rest of the Which time. I find would be the hardest time to do keto. Was it, was it when winter? she said that, she yeah, said she that? said yeah. she cycles in ketogenic, <laughs> and then she does a modified version of a low. Yeah. So she also had this low glycemic diet, which is probably more like we were talking about. It's yes. hard to explain without seeing the 
different tables of her versions of her, um, you know, modified paleo diets, but she had a, it's called a low glycemic diet, which definitely allowed for a lot more carbohydrates than yep. a ketogenic diet. It's kind of more like the split that Jess and I would put on macros, yep. to be honest. Definitely. So, yeah, so she does that for the other sort of three month, yep. three seasons of the year from what we could tell from what she was saying, mm-hmm. and then cycles in this ketogenic for the winter season, I'm like, why would you do it in the winter? It's <laughs> when all the best foods out, man, in terms of eating carbs and stuff. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe they would get their slow cookers out over there. Who knows? The um, thing that I loved about her too, though, is that diet was absolute key. Like, yeah. you know, there was talk and about... huge focus on gut. I yeah, love that. definitely. And pooping and... Oh, she talked heaps about that, didn't she? Yeah. But, you know, there was still... There was still supplement protocols and so forth, but she really pushed home that it was about consistency of diet. It yep. was about diversity. It was about color as yep. far as pigment color in yep. foods. Um, but then definitely it was about the gut in relationship to having that healthy microbiome, having like no gut permeability, being able to yep. assimilate all of those nutrients. I mean, all of them did come back to the gut. Yeah, of course. We just wanted to hear more about it. Hear more about the gut. <laughs> I found too, like she really went into the um, gut brain immune axis a lot more as well, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Like obviously the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve, like stimulating the vagus nerve, and even not even just for MS, but in terms of stimulating it for things like Alzheimer's and other sort of quite progressive there's so many things like she was so focused on diet which Jess and I just clearly loved because we feel like everything you know you diet your diet is your core for everything mm-hmm. whether you're treating autoimmune stuff or no matter what you treat the diet is your key key mm-hmm. when it comes to wellness and longevity and then the supplements are top-ups and bonuses yeah. and you've got and you've got exercise they were all big on exercise yes. like yeah. movement not and not over exercising which well, I that freaking was a big loved. thing she pointed out too didn't she yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it being more inflammatory yeah yeah mm-hmm. which I think too we've talked about exercise and just picking an exercise that suits your body at that time yeah so she yeah. was very big on that which was awesome yeah she definitely went more than anyone else into intermittent fasting, which we talked yeah. about in our last podcast, fasting, mimicking diet, mm-hmm. touched on keto a bit, but definitely um, the focus for intermittent and time-restricted feeding and in, 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 uh, fasting, mimicking, she yeah. was pretty stoked. And she did do that herself too. Yeah, yeah. I felt when she talked about her own fasting, I was like, holy shit, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Like there was, you know, like yeah. there's there's so many different types as we yeah. talked about last yeah. time, but her but, version of fasting for herself yeah. was pretty extreme. extreme. But I think it's important to point out too, and with so many of these protocols, we're, we're listening to people speak who have had the absolute extreme exactly. of disease progression. Yeah. Like, And this is where it's like important why we want to talk about this and bring it back to for people who aren't, as chronic as them, yeah. Um, how much they were just emphasizing prevention, yeah. Like exactly, eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Make sure you do your exercise yep. if you know you've got your genetic predisposition. Like genetics is twenty five percent of what you're going to end up with. The rest of it is your environment and what mm. the, and what you do. Mm-hmm. So exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. They're they're most of these people, which was what made them so fascinating, were coming from personal experience and quite extreme personal experience. Um. Which is why I think a lot of their protocols in some aspects can seem a bit more on the extreme side, yeah. but they did make a point, I think, all of them are bringing it back yeah. to the basics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for again, I think it's that really important factor to point out and go, you know, we have to strip this back to the basics. Yeah. We have to look at what are the important aspects that make this work for the everyday person yeah. so we don't get hung up in some of the more extreme notions of these plans that in some ways are, yeah, they're extreme, but I think sometimes that people can latch onto them and go, well, if I just fast for four days and just drink water, then, you know, that'll work. Like I don't have to worry so much about dealing with my environment and my stress and and eating eating all the time. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like sometimes people want to grab onto aspects of the, um, protocols that they can take and make it an easier way. It's, it's kind of the easy yeah, fix. Yeah, the easy fix, that or, magic bullet. You know, like... Terry Wall says, take these five supplements. So if I take these five supplements and, you know, I do these other things that are relatively yeah. easy, I think <laughs> so I don't that... change my whole oh, life. So. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that you and I kind of definitely looked at each other when Terry was speaking, and I definitely get that she's treating the chronic of the chronic people. So this is not absolutely at all having a crack at what she said here. But I think when you've got a lot of people sitting in a room 
really mesmerized by someone speaking yep. and she was freaking mesmerizing like yep. she's got such she's got such an amazing story behind mm. her but someone asked her about grains mm. and she said my like I pull grains and legumes from the diet like that's it done yep. kind of thing so she's coming from a point where she's seeing such amazing profound results right yep. in people that are living on a standard or a sad diet so standard American diet which yep. is shit like yep. high processed foods sugar lots of salt blah 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 and putting on her version of the modified paleo diet mm -hmm. and getting great results in an advanced disease state which i yep. think is freaking awesome but yep. i feel like there's a lot of people in that room that are going to go out of there and be like everyone needs to be off legumes and grains yeah which i was like you have to well, be did you see how many people well, just when like, those oh. slides came up for the today with that ketogenic oh, speaker how many people were photographing yeah. all those slides and i'm just like that's all going straight on social media, media. yeah and, and this potentiating is, this whole yeah and we will talk oh. about the whole ketogenic thing and the research and the science because mm. it's it is going to be an entire podcast mm. um, in terms of where we see about that because we're not even going to get into it now <laughs> but I just feel like too like it is it, they did all come back to like yes that um, she made quite a um, really big statement there but it, you've got to put it into the context of where she's coming from where mm. she's come from personally herself and what she's treating yeah so for everyday person who is actually just you know wanting to look at maybe they've got autoimmune potentials in terms mm -hmm. of genetics and things like that how like obviously gluten's got gluten like let's be honest gluten's got to go if there's potential mm -hmm. for an autoimmune or there's an existing autoimmune thing mm -hmm. but then the other things i really think there's room for movement which is i think why i kind of push more towards amy yeah in the terms of she was very it's more about the person sitting in front of you but yeah. they're two different practitioners doing completely yeah. different things dealing with completely different yeah. spectrums of autoimmune conditions so definitely yeah yeah Cool. Well, let's move on to Dr. Alyssa Song. We both loved her too, didn't we? She was so nice again. Yes. I just think that, um, oh. yeah, she just had, she had so many beautiful things to say. Yeah. Um, for us as um, practitioners that don't like, do a lot to do with, with obviously children, children or the whole pediatric side, yeah. um, you know, there was a lot of what she talked about that we were just like, okay, let's think about how we can apply oh, this yes. to to our adult clients, um, but in saying that, I think even for um, our clients that we do see with children, yeah. there was a lot of amazing takeaways there. I learned there. heaps from her, I think, too, because I feel like, obviously, children aren't 100% our area, definitely not our area, actually, like we, we do, but we kind of, we know a lot about what we know to do with the gut and the immune system and everything that we talk about, and we can definitely apply that to children. We don't specialise in children. Um, and pediatric, and especially autoimmune pediatric disorders. So when yeah. you start getting into autism and children on the spectrum and OCD and ticks and, yeah. and anything like that, like yeah. this is this is where she like excels and her yeah, knowledge. Yeah, it's her passion, isn't it? Or oh, it's not our passion. And it's not our passion, but her knowledge just in gut health and how is mm. like definitely can be applied to what we see with our clients. Like yeah. that's what I think Jess and I freaking loved about her. <laughs> definitely. She, she is she was so amazing. Like she again is so into getting the gut health right and doing the gut testing and running big on organic acid testing, yeah. even in kids, which yeah. I thought was so well, she, cool. yeah, all of the testing in kids. She was definitely not shying away from testing no. in kids as soon as she could get testing. Obviously, which I really appreciated she showed where there was cases where kids weren't compliant oh, with yeah. testing still trying to do the best that she could. And what I really appreciated actually um, on another tangent of that was her um, cases that she presented, yes. how she would show the ebbs and flow. And I think it's so important for people to understand that you don't just start and go to the finish line on this perfect trajectory going up. There's she, as she talked about, there was ups and downs and yeah. she showed that in her cases where people were going really well and then they would step backwards and she would talk about how she had to talk with her clients and encourage yeah. them and point out how far they come. And yeah. as a practitioner hearing that, it's, it's really so fantastic to see people who are doing what she's doing and yeah. just applying things that we see in clinic all yeah. the time. And it's, um, it's a, sort of an important thing to point out too, because yeah. I think we always feel like when it's us going through our own health stuff, all we see is the stuff that's still wrong. We forget yeah, how yeah. far we've come. Yeah, and I really thought it was really humble of her to show that because it's very easy for practitioners to get up there and cherry pick their amazing cases. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just, and show all the, ama the amazing success stories. But Anyone who is a practitioner who deals with complex cases mm. like what we do in the clinic, it's not freaking smooth sailing. Mm. And I really, I really like because I normally, I normally kind of give like a, a seesaw balance analogy yeah. that moves. I up. do the wave. Yeah, thing but the wave. The thing, but I really like that she kind of put it into like a pie chart where you 
go up and then you dip down and then you continue yep. to go up and then you dip as down. As long as the main trajectory he, keeps he's going, going up. up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I felt like, and I did love that she, she really, her cases that she chose to discuss really showed that yep. whole, that whole, okay, we got so far and then there was a plateau or there was a setback yep. and then you have to reevaluate or do more testing because mm. there's so much in life and environment and stresses and new interactions with bacteria mm. and viruses that you didn't have to start with and it does change the end guide the course of your treatment yeah as you as you get through it so, yeah for sure which yeah she used also a lot of um not a lot um all in one but she did use um a lot of supplements and herbs which i really liked kids, with I kids. That, like there wasn't that like, fear around that um and particularly with the herb like i yeah. thought that was really interesting yeah. it gave me more confidence. not that we're herbalists but i know yep. definitely with my clients that i have done stool testing with the kids i definitely try and do a lot more from food perspective and yep. I'm more hesitant with things like that but yep. after listening to her speak that I would have no issues now using yep. Alamax at a lower dose in yep. children yep. um berberine I know I've given a couple of my clients like oregano oil yep. and things like that but I feel like I definitely have a lot more confidence after yeah. listening to her yeah. speak and her level of treatment and giving definitely. kids things like CoQ10 and all this stuff where I think because it's not our area of specialty we yep. don't know 100% that can you give a kid that should you not give a kid that and there's so much controversial research around yep. what you do and don't give children yep. but after listening to her speak and the level of not what she's prescribing or over prescribing but what children in disease or autoimmune disease states need like yep. don't pussyfoot around yeah. like well, she's, again, treat them like a mini adult like, yeah yeah and she's dealing again with very chronic conditions yeah. like she's just dealing with these like yeah whether it be autism kids yeah. on the spectrum at some point she has a lot with pans or pandas yes. which i must admit up until this seminar i was like eh i've yeah. heard it but I've heard quite, of pandas, but that was the yeah, yeah. Know and off the was. top of my head, can I remember what that acronym stands for? Um, can you? Um, some, something as something acute neurological disorder. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna look that one up. Psychiatric neurological, psychologically acute neurologic, something like that. It's basically oh, okay. like an acute onset of like what, like it's almost Tourette-like or seizure-like. It's, or it's basic for. Okay, so it's an onset of these psychiatric. <laughs> just bite the acronym what it stands for, but it's basically there's two there's two subsections. So there's PANS, which is like a, an acute onset of neurological. these neurological and psychological symptoms that come on a lot of the time quite quickly. Yeah. Um, post some form of event, and then there's PANDAS, which is associated with strep. Yeah. So they've actually had a streptococcus infection. Um, and it's a relationship to that streptococcus yeah, so infection that brings on this heightened inflammatory yeah. response that gets in and creates a lot of neurotoxic um, activity. And that is often dealt with, yeah. well, actually both of them um, are, but particularly with that, there's a lot of antibiotic use. And um, with the other, there might be things like even, um, again, mold, lines, yeah, yeah, other lines. sorts of infections that have come in. Assault and there was the immune system. A lot of antibiotic use there, which she did talk about, didn't yeah, she? She yeah. was like, well, you know, I don't love them using all these antibiotics in kids. I kind of got to do it. It's like the, yeah. it's the best of the evils. Like. Yeah, definitely. So, I, yeah, pans was super, like, I was, like, even when she showed the videos of a child with pans or pandas, like, that, imagine, like, oh, I just couldn't even imagine being a parent in, oh a, my situ God. in a situation. Have you got it right there? Pediatric, Pediatric. acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. We were you pretty close. much got it. Just with going around <laughs> the I was just thinking of all the things it does, and I'm like, let's just try and correlate things. No, you pretty much said that. I'm like, oh, high five. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she did. So, um, we definitely talked. She did a lot of testing. The other thing she really talked about was vaginal versus C section yeah. birth, which she was pretty, um, and obviously the importance of breastfeeding where possible. Um, breastfeeding where possible. I think our Wi Fi might have just dropped out a little bit there, guys. Sorry, we had to make sure it was still recording. Um, but she did really put a big um, emphasis on with C-section birth, um, inoculating the baby. So actually using vaginal swabbing and then wiping it over the skin. It sounds, mm -hmm. it sounds a bit gross probably for people <laughs> listening. But it, in, in terms of the baby misses out so much from a C-section birth in terms mm. of um, bacterial inoculation through the vaginal passage, which happens in a normal birth. So there is a bit of a push to try and, and like obviously where C-sections are not... Um, you know, well, C-sections are a must and that's yep. definitely, you know, it's, it's something that happens that you can still inoculate your yeah. baby with um, vaginal bacteria. I'd love to see that become common practice. So cool. Like how simple yeah. and easy is that? It's like something that would take like 10 to 30 they said, seconds they, oh, to do. Yeah, they can't. She or was she said, doing it over a time she frame was, too, wasn't she? Said she said kind of if you can get a good, like, um, deliver, like, 
um, surgeon and all that, whoever's in the room, yeah. um, to actually just give you half an hour to an yeah. hour, she said. So there yeah. must be quite like maybe wiping over the whole skin of the baby. I, yeah. I don't know whether you do the oral cavity of the baby. I have yeah. heard about it somewhere else where they actually yeah. like put it. Well, I don't see why not. Like yeah. if you think if the baby's going through the vagina, like yeah. they're going to be getting it into yeah. up into their nose, nose, their mouth, ears, everything. Like yeah. I would be swabbing yeah. everywhere. Basically just coating the baby in vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it's such a simple thing yeah. to do. It's just like, why not? And honest, and like, what's there to lose? That's no, what I kills me about it. So, and in terms of setting a child up long term with the best chance it's yeah. got, like, you know, bacteria from the start is is it? Like, you know, anyway, we don't want to have a to or fro and yeah. make anyone feel bad that's had C-sections. No, it's not, it's not just, about that. It's not about that at all. It's yeah. just that they are starting to look into these new methods that mm. where if you have to have a C-section birth, these are ways you can kind of still yeah. inoculate your baby with bacteria. I'm not saying C-section babies don't have bacteria. <laughs> but anyway, that was a whole other cool thing that yeah. she talked about. And she talked a lot about heavy metals and heavy metals in kids, looking at the parents and heavy metal mm-hmm. toxicity, looking at the parents' health in general, yeah. um, what their food sensitivities are in terms of children that are breastfeeding. Or, yeah. you know, anyway, she was she was cool and really grounded in her practice approach and uh-huh. really fruit. She had some knowledge in that brain of hers. Yeah. Like she, oh, she really spoke on our level. I felt yeah. like when it came to like just – what she, um, yeah. Yeah, I, she's amazing. She really, really was. was. So the fourth <laughs> speaker. <laughs> this guy was a cack, like Dr. anyone who... Professor Schwanfield. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at his name again going, <laughs> He's got a first name that starts with Y. When really he's from Israel, but he's French. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Well, oh, you picked up on that because I still yeah. thought he had a very strong Middle Eastern accent. I think there was a fusion. Well, that's what I, that's yeah, the impression okay. I got that he was, was definitely, he yep. was French, but I, yeah, from Israel at yeah, the same okay. time. So right. it was a real fusion. Because I definitely noticed there's a lot of things he was doing that weren't um, Middle Eastern, like in terms of rolling his arms. Yeah, that, yeah, he was, that was a very French yeah, accent. Because I've listened, because yep. obviously I've worked with a lot of, um, so many people from various Mediterranean, and I know that. They're like, you know, when they are speaking English, like there's certain things I definitely picked up and there, but there's other things I'm like, mate, that's not from Israel. Where is this? I'm glad you picked that up. Um, he was a cat, wasn't he? Was. He? he was, um, definitely took a lot to get to the point with some of his oh stories, but he, he had some pretty funny bloody analogies. Like Jess and I definitely appreciated his analogies. Um, it was funny though, because even just before we sat down to break it down the speakers and when we got to him, we're like, so what did he actually speak about? <laughs> What was he there for? <laughs> like we couldn't think of his actual main point because he just was so all over the place. Yeah, yeah. He did make some really good um points in terms of like he's very heavily into his research. He's published yeah. a lot of research papers himself or been mm-hmm. involved in a lot of that. He's working on a lot of things that are safer alternatives to a lot of the autoimmune drugs. So mm-hmm. he's obviously got some things in the pipeline that he's yep. working on. Yeah. Um, he was really, really big on the gut and the gut bacteria. So starting to mm-hmm. look at that, done a lot of testing, um, mm-hmm. obviously done a lot of testing into animals and then trying to replicate yeah, that in human stuff. Yeah, a lot of that Heaps me. of testing. Yeah. Like I feel like he definitely had that whole, he's, he's obviously been in practice a lot, yep. well, spent a lot of time in the medical field. He's done a lot of research. Yep. Been very heavily involved in clinical trials and yeah. and that side of stuff. So the helmets as well, yeah. yeah he's, so he bought it. That was more today. He was talking yeah. about um, helmet therapy or parasite therapy. So yeah. that was pretty fascinating for us. It was again, there wasn't as much as I'd like to see no, there, yeah. but definitely in relation to introducing them into the body and seeing changes um, in autoimmunity. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of what he talked about today was like influencing the system from one capacity to see improvements, but then in other capacities seeing a regression or like a new spring um, coming up in relation to another autoimmune condition. So um, his big thing he talked about was the kaleidoscope. um, Or the mosaic. Or the mosaic. The mosaic of autoimmune. You know, you've got to look at it um, in its complexity, how everything's interrelated. And he talked a lot today about gut bacteria and how in – something like um, MS or in what was the other one he was talking so about he was today saying, that um, was what was, was the other condition he was talking heaps about type 2 type well, 1 it's not diet. um yeah yeah type 1 but um so, um scleroderma, oh, scleroderma but, yeah. so he was talking about how you can have um, raised bacteria like your natural bacteria within your gut um you can you know your commensals essentially that will be 
really high and then other ones that are really low. Yeah. And when he spoke about that, I think Chris and I looked at each other because we were like, what? Because it was the opposite to what we talk about in relation yeah. to gut health. But then he did mention, okay, so this is what we see here. But if we were then to take that and apply it to another area like yeah. IBD, yeah. then we're actually seeing where Which we're seeing what? species that we want to be high that actually, actually want low in the other autoimmune yeah. condition. So that was really – because at first Jess and I were like, well, this is not what we're seeing in our test results, like people mm-hmm. like who are definitely pushing towards uninflammatory bowel conditions or mm-hmm. definitely a chronic inflammatory bowel state sort of a thing and then all of a sudden he he felt like he was saying the opposite but he actually wasn't because he went on to kind of clarify it so he was talking about like say even type 1 diabetes and inflammatory bowel disease and talking about acomancia which is something that any of our clients that have done the um, GI effect stool testing he was saying that there's a lower prevalence of that in the gut in those conditions but then if you if you apply that to MS it's actually Mm -hmm. indicated high so it's path looks like it's pathogenic in MS Whereas you, it's it's totally wiped out in inflammatory yep. bowel disease or type one mm-hmm. diabetes. So he was saying there's so much you can't look at species, or you can definitely look at them individually, but you you can't start with one disease and just look at it. You really have to look at how bacteria mm-hmm. respond in all different diseases because it actually is different. It's not yep. just because you've got one of the eighty autoimmune conditions, you've got low acomancia. It yep. really depends, and it's the same with all bacteria across yep. the board. Like. This exactly. is where he's getting into research, which, which is so freaking so cool. <laughs> and, what, and what I loved about that too, because you could look at it and go, all right, well, I've got MS and I've got um, even the low odiobacter off the top of my head being low. And you can go, all right, I'm going to get that in a supplement and I'm going to give it to this patient um, and that's going to help them. But again, it's like, I guess, a drug factor. Like you yeah. could do that. And it might relieve perhaps MS, but then will it, because this person's got this autoimmune tendency that hasn't really been dealt with maybe in other aspects, will it just set off another autoimmune condition in relation to perhaps more of an IBD area? Like I think that's where it's really fascinating. And as he was pointing out, we don't really know yet enough about this. Like we don't know, um, you know, there's certain things that will affect the body in one way and then in another way. And then also if we use one strain yeah what's it going to do in one person as opposed to another yeah. just because you take a species um one species of the probiotic essentially doesn't mean that you're going to lift up the numbers of that particular strain it's yeah. like going in and communicating with other bacteria yeah and it's going to do that differently in me as it would to you yeah um and then we need to look at collective strains so it's like okay if we give these three or four together, what's Which is going to happen? Kind and of with, where his research is, it heading, is, isn't which it? Is exciting. So. And there is stuff. There's a lot. I mean, there's so much happening now in the gut, and there's plenty of papers out there that, I mean, we read all the time or see the, you know, sort of reviews from, um, in relation to probably more gut stuff, whether yeah. they be single species or certain strains. But I think in relation to. I mean, everything, but even with the autoimmunity side, there's a lot more that needs to be investigated. It's kind of like we're sitting there wanting certain questions answered and you're kind of like, well, there isn't an answer yet because the research hasn't been done. Yeah, that's it. I think that's – Jess and I really had to remind ourselves of that. Like we're kind of sitting there. We want these next-level answers. I know we hit so many people up that, you know, are in the know that are – dealing with yep. you know product development and seeing all the first line research so mm. you know obviously our our reps and stuff but the truth of it is is that we the answers aren't there yet where yep. there's so many questions that we have and we're sure you guys have in terms of gut mm. health and especially with what jess and i see when we start really getting into the nitty-gritty of neurotransmitters and gut bacteria and you know the mm. interrelationship between you know the gut brain immune axis or the gut brain skin axis and what but honestly the it's freaking frustrating but <laughs> we just don't have the knowledge yet i think it's it's so it's just going to be freaking awesome to see what happens in the next five yeah. years even in the next 12 to 24 months but i think yeah. in five years the amount of knowledge we're going to have and we're mm. still only then going to be in just the tip of the iceberg yeah. in terms of understanding amazing yeah it's such an exciting time to be in being yeah. doing what we're doing i think yeah, so sure. So, um, I guess, was there anything else you wanted to mention about him? He was, him? He was very big on vitamin D. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that was a big one for the immune system. All of them were pretty big on vitamin D yeah. supplementation. Even if, like, most of them were saying, especially Amy, that even just assume that most of your clients are yeah. either, well, for thyroid, iodine, <laughs> she said, but everyone was kind of of the general consensus, basically assume that most people need vitamin D. Yeah. And you can safely give good doses of vitamin D. Like, mm-hmm. we're not talking up into the tens of thousands, but... Yeah, and they... Talk- 
Sorry, keep going. We're talking about like, you know, the you know, a couple of thousand IUs of vitamin yeah. D. They did point out that the people that are not on the vitamin mm. D bandwagon, the research was around four to eight hundred IUs of vitamin say. D. Are cool. yeah. And that's not enough, guys. That's not even a bloody therapeutic dose. Yeah. Like a therapeutic dose is at minimum a thousand IUs. Yeah. So that like if you have anyone turn around and say vitamin D is not important or you don't need mm. it or we're not gonna test for it pay for the test like it's yeah. it's pretty important and it is just a nice one we definitely push for to get tested in the clinic for yeah. so many reasons it's important for hormones you know they were, mm. um he was even calling it the new hormone oh it saying, is yeah yeah it is yeah. it acts like a hormone, it acts in, the like body. A hormone in the body so i think and i i think for people who are listening maybe who are dealing with autoimmunity one thing to definitely consider is um is functional testing you know yeah. like we do get that it's an outlay of cash but i think if you have um, if you can put, if you can make that happen and you can work with a practitioner yep. to really individualize your treatment, treatment and get yeah. the answers, I think there's so there's much, so much you, can you can do. And the thing is that they kept really driving home that once you have one autoimmune disease, you're three times more likely yep. to get another one. Like yep. that's a pretty big increase. So I feel like I could, it's re, it's the thing I really have enjoyed that the seminars made me focus on is how important it is to prioritize autoimmune potential for autoimmune like i know we're so we're so gut and hormone focused mm. and all of that but and we definitely do we definitely do a lot of autoimmunity but even what i was saying the thyroid panels and stuff like i look at low level antibodies within mm. range and i don't stress about them so yeah. much i kind of do now yeah like, we both do i yeah. think like i kind of like oh well there's there's some antibodies there but they're not outside the reference range yeah you're symptomatically not too bad whereas you know, I'm kind of like now. Well, I'm like, well, there's actually antibody activity. Yeah. So that's an order that your body's creating antibodies against yeah. your thyroid, or your body's creating antibodies against this. Whereas mm. before, I was kind of like, and it's pretty rare we see a negative, to be honest, in terms mm. of thyroid antibodies. So I feel like, yeah, it's kind of really brought home to me how important even starting to set up, not just like I know we don't do it, but for our clients, like it's kind of like they once a few things are going right, they kind of back, not always back away from treatment, mm. but. I think it's if there is that potential genetically or yeah. environmentally for autoimmune stuff, this is a lifestyle commitment. Exactly. And a lifetime commitment to yeah. really looking after yourself, prioritizing your health. Um, yeah, huge. which is something we try and educate our clients on. But I yeah. think there can be, and it's human nature too, you know, if, we're, if you've gotten to a point with your treatment and, and we do see it where you're feeling great and you feel like you've hit the nail on the head, there's a tendency just to, you're like, oh, I'm cured, I'm fine, and just sort of let things slide. Yeah. Like, I think this really highlighted again how this is like, it's a lifestyle approach. Like, it's yeah. an ongoing commitment, particularly with um, something like autoimmunity. You yeah. know, you you really need to keep certain things in place yeah. um, and, and get educated and know what works for your body. And that's where um, I think the testing is just like you know, on its own. I really yeah. do. I think, I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about diet, like diet is essential, but the diet in conjunction with the testing, like once you know what you're dealing with, you yeah. can, you can make the diet more therapeutic. And you can make it more tailored, like, mm. you know, and same with your supplements. And I think too, like if you're kind of sitting here listening to this and you're like, well, I don't have an autoimmune disease, but, or an autoimmune condition, but you know, your mum's got Hashimoto's or someone in your family's got Graves or someone else has got, um, multiple sclerosis in your family what are some of the more common autoimmune things like i feel like thyroid's the big thyroid's one. probably one of the, the biggest, biggest that we would see yeah um what and are some other big ones that we see psoriasis psoriasis is a massive yeah one. that's another one like, oh i kept thinking of like you yeah. kind of like go with yeah i feel like psoriasis um rheumatoid arthritis i was trying yeah. to think like what are the common ones yeah. <laughs> clearly we've been at this for three days but just little things like that if you have rheumatoid arthritis um psoriasis um psoriatic arthritis yep. alkalizing spondylitis which is so much of these are linked back to gut bacteria by the way osteoarthritis osteoarthritis like any of these inflammatory autoimmune conditions in your family you are now genetically predisposed and that's not yep. freaking trying to freak people out yep. but it's just like be really aware of what your predispositions are because mm -hmm. prevention is prevention is key like yep. really and this is why we're so passionate about what we do we're not we're not acutely treating people where we are sometimes, but mm. like gen doctors and GPs and in people in emergency departments, they're treating you post-trauma or post-disease or mm. uh, it's really just a backpedaling thing. Whereas, you know, we and so many other natural practitioners out there, it's about preventative medicine. Like mm -hmm. we, we want to help people get to the best 
state they can be for the longevity of their life taking all these things into consideration like just because you have these genetic predispositions or when jess and i do our genetic testing Mm. you've got these genes it doesn't mean you're gonna you're doomed like this is i I think it's exciting if anything it's empowering it's It's empowering empowering because you know this is where the genetic starts to tie back into a lot of what we're saying with the microbiome and so forth and like going oh well, what's going to work in me as opposed to you like if you do these 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 tests you know more about you you yeah. have it is empowering because you you have more answers and you can cater yeah. your lifestyle more and more towards what you need yeah, like absolutely. it's fantastic yeah um and i think a lot of these things that you can have once you have them it's not like well some of these things that we talked about retesting as you're going yeah. through a, a process is really important but a lot of these tests that you can get and have as just like markers, like genetics can be yeah. something you do once and you just know when you've yeah. like, right, this is what I need to do. This yeah. is my area that I need to work, work on, on prevention Yeah, as opposed wise. to this is an area, like it's not they're saying you shouldn't focus on a certain area, but even let's like, you let's use my genetics, for example, like, and we'll find how true, how right I am when we do <laughs> my genetic testing. But obviously I know for me, I've got a lot of, there'll be a lot of genetics into mental health. So there'll yep. probably be MTHFR, a few comp things, maybe some other stuff. I feel like there'll be a few liver things going on. Yeah. Um, definitely for me, cardiovascular stuff, um, mm-hmm. lipid metabolism. Stuff. You're making yourself sound like a train wreck. I know I am, but that's not me. It's my bloody <laughs> genetics. Like, <laughs> thank everyone around me for that shit. Uh, but for me, like, I would rather know because it means I take better care of the detox pathways of my yep. liver. I, you know, oh, there's just so many things for me. I think yeah. you can you can shove your head in the sand and be an ostrich about it, which yep. we've talked about that as well. Yep. Or you can know and then make empowered and informed choices to yep. get the best out of this life you're given. Exactly. A little bit of column A or B. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with column B. Let's choose life. <laughs> Look, I think, is there anything, in, I would say in summary to um, the big thing that came out um, of the symposium uh, is the fact that it just does come back to what we've just talked about, but also uh, diet, which is just our area of love oh, and passion. Yeah. Like no matter who, who, no matter who spoke, realistically at the core of everything, it was about a really beautiful, wholesome, therapeutic diet and applying that on an everyday yeah. basis for life. You for know, life. with also the capacity for life happens sometimes, and you know, yeah. not always be eating everything 100% perfect, which we've talked about yeah. before too. But yeah. realistically, you know, you you choose to eat um, three times a day, um, sometimes more depending on when people are eating <laughs> and how frequently. But, you know, this is something we do every single day for the rest of our lives and it has such an impact on ourselves yeah. um, and who we are and what makes us up and how we respond. And, you know, I think it was just over and over again highlighted by these amazing people that like yeah. diet is key like is you know key. you can't just diet and expect to make it about supplements or yeah how many else. of them said that i freaking loved that mm. they were like you can supplements are not the answer like they're part of the answer but diet is the yep. most important component i freaking love that almost yep. every single one of them said that based on their own stuff that like yep. yeah especially terry she was big yep. for that she Definitely. was like diet is what will make or break this yep. then everything else is additional yep. exactly yeah so freaking cool man so we had a good three days we, we have did. we've got so much more to talk about um obviously yeah if you have any questions social media us email yeah. us there's anything in particular like if you guys know these presenters and you're curious about maybe some other aspects um yeah, within yeah. their protocols like please contact us let us know we'll answer to the best of our abilities with with what we've just um learned over these past three days um and yeah as krista said we will be diving deep into genetics we're pretty excited about that one Um, (laughs) (laughs) genetics has been a little epigenetics and nutrigenomics i have to say more has been this little side freaking obsession of mine yep. for years so to listen to um denise Furness talk i feel like i feel like it's been reignited in me for the last few months because i've kind of had time to branch back into it and look into it but yep. listening to her speak like i was like i'm gonna steal you and marry you <laughs> steal you away because it doesn't like i could just spend days listening to her speak <laughs> we're gonna get her and lock her in the lock clinic, her in a clinic and just her and jason Morelak, yeah. wasn't it? okay just getting a bit cramped <laughs> build a bigger cage <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but as always, just um, leave us your feedback. Um, head to iTunes and leave us a five-star review so people can find us. Yeah, share us. Share yeah, us around. Yeah. Share the love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, we're done. We're we done. bike life back tomorrow, I um, think, you on Tuesday. Yep. We're um, bloody exhausted, but we've had a ball. We've had a ball. It's been it's yeah. honestly like... I can't wait to go to the next seminar. There's just so much in terms of like just what you don't get in short seminars. Like yes. this is just like to have the amazing brains of four to six experts mm. in their field and just listen to stuff and obviously have your own discussions about stuff. Like it was so yep. good Jess and I bouncing things yes. off each other. We did get in trouble for talking about something. <laughs> so but you know, we're just so passionate and we've, we've got so many out the box, outside of the box. Yep. It's like we can listen to people and constructively. It's just, it's exciting for us. So yeah. Yeah. We nerd it out max time. <laughs> 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 the whole thing, the whole podcast without <laughs> dropping the F word. We did nerd out big time. <laughs> yeah. We certainly did. <laughs> anyway guys so hope you enjoyed any questions let us know yep and um have an awesome well depends on when you listen to this i'll say have an awesome sunday evening yeah. awesome week ahead awesome week ahead all right guys okay bye now over and out